0: Live.
1: All right. Wow. Is my is my voice outside? That's amazing. Hello, my friends. This is Steffi Cohen. I'm here with a hybrid crew. Who's yep. here?
0: You got me, Hayden Bo. Ian Kaplan. The one and only Alex Uslar. And Ian the Rhino.
1: I hated that. <laughs> I honestly hated it. Wasn't, that my,
0: favorite, it wasn't my favorite.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the crowd's going crazy here, guys. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank, thank you. you thank you so much for coming here tonight.
0: No one's even looking no. at us. No, nobody is. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well where are we? Hey, hey
0: thank you.
2: <laughs> tell tell us where we are.
1: Okay, so we are here at Watapalooza Fitness Festival. This is actually our first time doing a live podcast and we're really excited to be here. I actually I'm I've been living here in Miami for about ten years. And I've come to every single Wadapalooza that has ever paloozed around
0: here. <laughs> every single one no, of them. What year, Ian? Do you know what year this is? Like the sixth or seventh?
2: Ninth. Ninth? What? Yeah. Ninth year. First I, one I, was in 2011. I've played for the last like six or seven years. I yes, think. I'm six or seven. Yeah.
3: And Ian, how do you feel being here, uh, not having to compete?
4: It's pretty relaxing, I yeah. we'll have to say. Yeah.
3: I think this is a pretty cool uh, one for us because it's we've we've come every year, but it's the first time that we're actually participating and that we have our own booth.
0: Yes. Are you competing this weekend, Hayden? Yeah.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> to participate. Hey,
1: actually, I was saying that for next year we should have a team in in the and just come dead last in the minute. scale division yeah. yeah in the scale division would always so fun Just not finish any workout but still we would have a blast don't you guys think
2: <laughs> you No to, I do not
0: think so at all <laughs> Do you have I to, mean, to submit uh,
3: videos to
2: qualify? For uh, not for barely, scale Barely, for yeah For yeah.
0: scale do you need qualifiers just qualify,
2: or is you don't have, you open sign up but like you just have to do something uh, we, should, yeah. uh, <laughs> we
3: should just lie about our numbers and then come in here <laughs>
0: tank everything. <laughs> <laughs> you, even the scale division, We de- even if we tried our hardest, with the exception of you and Ian, yeah. and Ian, we would definitely still get smoked. He'd be okay. Right? I, I said Ian right. and Ian. These, these guys yeah. would be alright.
4: I, I think I could still wreck it pretty well. <laughs> wreck it, Ralph? Yeah. Wreck Wait, it, right, why now?
1: would Ian do well and not me? I well, did and that's CrossFit true. too. You, and that's, would,
0: I, I don't think a lot of people know that about you. You did. You, did, you trained CrossFit pretty well I remember what was it Swamp Monster 2013 (laughs) 2014 you were like a hundred and 15 pounds or something then <laughs> been You've only lifting for a little while and we went from our old gym a bunch of people competing and you were doing RX right yes, yes. A- against some big girls huh? did you do that with Allison no with
1: the soul crew with
0: uh, yeah, okay. Meg
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: and and a bunch of the girls people. all competed and, I- and you came You came in pretty high up there I remember I'm one sure. of the events was like 135 front rack walking lunges I was dying and I remember watching you do it compared to like the other big girls. you're 115 pounds you're like, damn I can't even front rack that. I don't think I still can. <laughs> I,
3: didn't <laughs> I, didn't ever, know, I didn't even know you back then, but I saw pictures and wow,
0: what yeah. a difference, eh? Uh, yeah. You were still Jack because you had tra- was, You had she... been training for a little while yes. then. You were doing like weightlifting pretty seriously and shit. Not like when I first met you.
3: Yeah, you still yeah. had the baby fat in your face though. <laughs> oh, you yeah. had the chubby cheeks. You were super tan. Yeah, really tan. Well, what was up Wait, with that? How... Thank you.
1: I mean, any, any, <laughs> anything else you'd like to bring up? But,
0: how I strong mean, were you back then? So... Uh, not strong. You were probably snatching about 16, okay. like 130. Thirty-five no. or so. Not yet.
1: No, I think one fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, I was snatching around
0: one fifteen. True, sure, because you weren't focusing fully on weightlifting yet. No. Yeah. Exactly. But you could front rack lunge one thirty-five. I remember that.
2: Have you ever done a uh, multi-day CrossFit competition? Yeah.
1: That, that, uh, no. that was two days. No, that was one day. You sure? No, but <laughs> that might have been the only time I did that.
2: Yeah. That's That's a whole, it's, a, honestly, a whole, it's a whole other animal of course, competing yeah. on Sunday of after doing it for four days.
1: I don't understand how these, these people do it. It's unbelievable. It's
2: so many it's reps. Unbelievable.
1: Too hey, many reps. You know how else participating?
3: We is have a team here. We yeah. do. Yeah, huh? Team Hybrid. Tell us about, Capital,
2: tell us about that team. Huh? Team Hybrid.
3: Hand-selected by Ian Kaplan yeah, himself. A
2: bunch of young guns, former team game ath- games athletes. You know, they're like 12 years old or something. Uh, right they're there. all 19 or 20. That's crazy. Um, they're pretty, one, pretty one, damn fit too. Yeah, one's birthday was is actually today. Wow. <laughs> happy birthday to the, uh, you. Morgan Gray. Happy right. birthday, shout out. Yes. Um, they... All qualifying in the elite division in a good position, and they're holding it down against the best teams in the world, against the the mayhem teams, against uh, games podium teams, and against a bunch of kind of uh, long-term professional CrossFitters. Where were they sitting um, at the
0: end of uh, yesterday, Friday? I think
2: they're around 25th place, and they just performed pretty well in the last event, Sick. so we'll see where that shakes out. That's kind of middle of the pack. Um, and, and then, you know, hopefully they can, in this kind of last day, move up into that kind of top heat. And and kind of get an opportunity to compete for a kind of top twenty finish. What's the next workout? Um, tonight is a brutal one. It's uh,
0: tonight being Saturday. Yeah, 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 we're yeah, on yeah. day three. You know, of Saturday, Saturday night's so workout
2: hard. involves three team three teammates holding a worm, which is meant for four people, while one person completes a certain amount of work. And it's like a hundred chest to bar. Um, forgot the other movement. Fifty clean and jerks. I mean, we could pull it up. Twenty five snatches, and the weights are like. Uh, yeah, you know, one fifty-five and one fifteen. So the guys are moving, you know, moderate weight, but a bunch of reps, and the women are moving, you know, it's moderate weight for them. Uh, but the the hard part is the non-working teammates are are holding the worm, and the worm has to be off the ground. While the other, oh. while the working teammate accumulates work, so
4: you have one person going and getting a really, really bad low back bump. <laughs> yeah, and then they're going back <laughs> under the worm, yeah. and they're going to hold the worm and get even worse low back bump. Yeah. So all, so it's going to provide a challenge in a way that um, that you never essentially get a break, and that's why aerobic capacity is so important in the sport of crossfit.
1: Yeah. What else is important in the sport of crossfit?
4: everything. (laughs) Being strong, being conditioned, um, more importantly than anything, being conditioned in a way that your work capacity exceeds the amount of work you have to do that weekend over the course of those four days. So looking back at my own games training, all of our training essentially was much more difficult than the actual competitions, with the goal being that you had zero fall off over the course of the three to four days. Mm-hmm. So, typically everybody's good on day one. You know, mm-hmm. you do two events, that's pretty normal training day, but then you show up the next day and you're a little bit more fatigued than the day before. You're maybe at 90%. And the next day, maybe you're at 85%. And then the final day, maybe you're at like 83 to 80%. Now, the goal with training was to make it to where you're obviously strong you're obviously conditioned but you wanted to have as little fall off throughout the three to four days as possible
3: how does yeah. your uh, training leading up to an event like that change a lot
4: yeah <laughs> it, it, it increases drastically so if you were to go on your phone and you were to look at a typical water event that maybe lasts i don't know 15 minutes 20 minutes um, we would do that and then we would be done and then we would rest maybe 10 minutes and then we would do it again and then we would rest maybe 10 more minutes and then we would do it again and after you do, we're literally doing sets of entire workouts like you wow. would go in the gym and you would do a set of 10 squats and then you might do it for three to four sets we would do three to four sets of the event yeah, you turn it's- you turn it into
2: it's you want to think of CrossFit as an endurance sport with strength movements. Yep. So you train race pace, right? So you think of what the pace is that, need, that you need to win. You build that pace in the off season, and then you practice game paces leading up to the competition at a volume that exceeds competition volume.
1: Where it's, does, Where? sorry, go ahead.
2: I think it's so
3: interesting that it's the complete opposite of what we do in powerlifting. Like yeah. we start with a, a wide base and the closer we get to competition, we eliminate more and more and more things until mm-hmm. you're actually, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of work capacity you're pretty deconditioned mm-hmm. yeah. just mm-hmm. optimizing being
2: able to move something once yeah It's yeah, literally like, the exact opposite. To the
1: point where a flight of stairs makes you go Blins out of breath <laughs> and i think that's a big so brutal
2: that's the big difference cuz it's like the deconditioning of kind of that Above threshold, like super maximal power, um, extended effort pace. So, like, really hard kind of efforts that are unsustainable. So, you think like two minute max effort paces or like the kick at the final end of a 20 minute uh, kind of event goes away very quickly and it needs to be maintained and it needs to be trained and tapped into, like, right up to the competition. And also, if people are too fresh, then they go. Right, way too hard the first day, right? Yeah. And now they're tanked the rest of the weekend.
3: It's uh, we saw uh, Colleen Foster doing that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, "What? She's competing like tomorrow. What? What are you doing? Doing the whole workout and doing all this cardio and stuff?" Yeah, and we it call that interesting.
2: That what you were saying? Yeah, we call that dampening. Like, and she's a good example. of Someone who's really strong, she doesn't need to be her strongest at the event. She needs to be able to handle the work. it's, yes. Yeah.
4: So, um, if you actually think about it, though in terms of intensity you can manipulate intensity through a variety of variables you can manipulate intensity through frequency through load through volume through rest intervals through you know heart rate you can manipulate it in this whole all these variety of of methods so if you look at it in terms of intensity you take a power lifter who is decreasing volume but the load is going through the roof The intensity is actually increasing, right? Maybe your conditioning is going down. Maybe your aerobic capacity is going down. The intensity through load is drastically increasing with periodized periodized deloads and then a short taper at the end. A crossfitter is increasing intensity through conditioning, through volume, through work capacity, and maybe they aren't necessarily doing a heavy load that's going to take them out of commission for a few days. They're adding more work, more work, more work, more more conditioning, And 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 then they do a short, maybe... Three to four-day break, just enough time to where their body feels good, and then they jump right back into competition. We used to actually, my load. I would train hard. Say the competition was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I would train hard through Monday, take Tuesday, Wednesday off, and then the day before the competition, I'm rowing an easy 5K. Just to reopen my lungs and refeel how activity feels—not hard enough to where I'm tiring myself or depleting my energy, but enough so to where I'm like loose and warm and ready to go the next day.
1: Hey, remember that day you rode a 10k and then came to the gym and deadlifted like 700.
4: Yeah, it was close. Yeah, was 310 kilos. You know? It was definitely it was 310. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's also something that's different is that you're only really so if you look at the demands of the sport, there might be one. Max effort lift, and it's never tested at the beginning of the weekend. So, the way you move towards sport specific training is to actually then start to challenge yourself in kind of these maximal strength efforts under fatigue. So, you need to put, you know, Snatches in that are heavy when you're tired, or after a few sessions, or or deep into a few days of of a training block, because it's totally different to go out on the floor and try to make a heavy lift after a like a, a five minute brutal event, and then you're on a short clock to hit the next thing. Absolutely,
1: I did the uh, CrossFit Total. Remember, mm. were you there with yeah, Marcus? Yeah. Yeah. You
2: set a world record.
1: No, I mean, <laughs> but look, here's the thing: I'm a powerlifter and. I, my whole thing is lifting heavy, and I think I came maybe, I don't know, five points above the best score. It mm-hmm. wasn't. It was or ten. It wasn't yeah. that much.
3: It's. It just goes back to what he's saying. Yes, it's like, that's,
1: that's why I bring it up.
3: Yeah, like doing all of those things one after another after another while you're still fatigued from the previous one. It's like. Look, look at how powerlifting competition where we'll literally do one squat attempt and then, then wait 15, 20, 20 minutes in and the next For attempt. anyone
1: who doesn't know what the CrossFit turtle is, oh, yeah. if, I mean, anyone who's here listening, probably you'll know. <laughs> probably the majority of our listeners won't know what a CrossFit turtle is, but it's basically I think you have 12 minutes that you can break up however you want to establish a one rep max back squat, one rep max strict press, and one, strict press?
2: Strict press, yes. yeah, overhead press. press.
1: Overhead press and one rep max conventional, de- conventional deadlift.
2: deadlift.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and man, I tell you that under a time constraint, moving, like having to load your bar under a time constraint and having to do one movement after the other, it increases the difficulty exponentially of maxing out.
4: So you're not actually getting a true max, you're probably getting like a 90%. Or, or less.
3: know, when they did uh, the CrossFit total at the games, they were able to warm up first, though, right? And they yeah. And put like an attempt on the bar. Yeah,
4: they were at least able to warm up to maybe 60, 70%. That was also like, 2007. Yeah.
2: Well, they, no. They, oh they, they did, did the, they, the first time fart. the first time they did it was two thousand seven. <laughs> the second time they did it was a couple of years ago when they moved through the floor. Um, but I'm remembering the first time. Yeah, yeah, so
3: I feel like you could it's just to your advantage to maybe even just only take one squat attempt in that. Yeah. Just like warm up for only squat and then throw it on like throw on whatever you think you can do do one attempt yeah for on. sure
1: to be as warmed up as possible and then you just go and take one attempt as one like, take the rest of the time to warm up your deadlift or whatever
4: the, the level that these athletes are at that are testing this at the games their heart rate probably isn't going above 120 130 beats a minute testing those one rep max as their work capacity is so developed that they're barely even sweating, even lifting such heavy maximal loads. Whereas we, on the other hand, are pretty (laughs) winded after that kind of effort, because their maximal strength isn't that high, but their cardiovascular ability is that high. Our cardiovascular ability is much lower, but our maximal strength is much higher. So we're gonna get a pretty bad, like a pretty significant rebound after we do the lift and trying to catch our breath. Now that day, whenever I rode the 10K and I came and then I deadlifted the 683, That was literally like three weeks before the 2017 games in Madison, the first year they had it in Madison. And I was pretty similarly developed at that point where the 10K row, it was an interval row at that. So I was pulling hard. It wasn't just easy, steady state. So I was challenging strength and multiple energy systems. And after I got done with that, I obviously ate, drank water, replenished fluids, electrolytes, that sort of thing. I wasn't damaged in any way, shape, or form from that. I just basically increased blood flow and taxed my cardiovascular system because my work capacity at that point was so high to the to the point that like my maximal strength, my CNS was still fresh, I was good to go. Three hours later, it didn't even feel like I had done anything that morning.
2: Yeah, I mean, some people we see, I think there's a subset of athletes, and a lot of times it's women, that will PR their lifts all the time in in fatigue settings and ladders like that where you increase the lift, you know, the weight. Every minute on the minute, and you're doing like 20 attempts up to a max. Yeah, but um,
1: the main reason why that happens is because they don't consistently yeah, test yeah, their one yeah, rep yeah. max lips, So it's not so. their, yeah. Yeah,
2: it's, it's not, not the true, true
1: absolute one rep max. But. Yeah,
2: and also I think it's a confidence thing. That they don't, right, because they don't test it, they feel better doing a lot of work underneath, kind of. Uh, top end, and they actually feel warm when they get to that weight. Yeah.
4: And don't don't forget the power that the crowd has, and the yeah. power of adrenaline. Yeah. Because think back to your own experience in the animal cage. That's literally the experience that these athletes are having: pring their lifts on the competition floor yeah. in front of 500 people, you know, screaming their name. The, yeah. the effect that adrenaline has on a situation like that, and how warm you are, and how mobile your body and joints are, to maybe get under a snatch or get under a yeah. clean or pull a maximal deadlift, like that's very, very, very powerful. And most of these athletes don't have that same stimulus in training. Yeah. yeah. It's well, awesome. let's
1: talk. Let's briefly talk about, um, I want to take the conversation uh, somewhere different. Let's briefly talk for anyone who's listening here <laughs> that doesn't know what <laughs> we do. Uh, we, we are hybrid performance method and we specialize in, uh, creating programs creating strength training programs for athletes and the general population. Our main thing is introducing strength training so that it can benefit people in whatever sport they participate in. And so our our whole thought process is that having a strength backbone in every single, uh, create, uh, putting it in in a periodized manner has the potential to benefit you whatever sport that you that you that you do. Yeah. And so I wanted to, to ask you Ian and Ian because you guys uh, do CrossFit. How do you, in your opinion, how do you periodize strength um, in a way that doesn't take away from the other skills that you need to develop as a CrossFitter? And, and how important do you think strength training is uh, for CrossFit?
4: All, all things being equal the stronger athlete is always going to beat the weaker athlete, all things being equal because when you go out to compete in a CrossFit event that designated load is a certain percentage of your one rep max, whatever the exercise is. So if you have an athlete, let's say, for example, the event that they have to do tonight, where they have a clean and jerk at 155 pounds, if you take an athlete with a clean and jerk max of 275 pounds, that 155 is gonna kick his ass really fast. If you have an athlete, like for example, when I was competing in CrossFit, my clean max was around 405 pounds. So when I went out there, I could have probably touch and go that 155 for 30 straight if I wanted to. Because for me, as a stronger athlete, the 155 is almost more aerobic work than anaerobic work. You have an athlete who's weaker, that 155 becomes like 60, 70% of his max. That becomes a very highly anaerobic exercise. So it's gonna fatigue him, it's gonna spike his heart rate up really quick. He's gonna have to take breaks because he's gonna start redlining, getting above his lactate threshold, you know. So the stronger athlete is always gonna find the exercises to be easier. Now there starts to become some caveats there because a lot of times the stronger athlete's gonna become the heavier athlete. And then you come back to, you know, the whole balance of CrossFit and, you know, what, how heavy is too heavy, you know, because that's going to take away from your gymnastic movements. That's going to take away from your calisthenic movements. So, you know, me personally, training wise, I was already strong. I only needed to train strength once a week because I had a strength surplus for CrossFit, Mm -hmm. an athlete who is much weaker, who needs to prioritize strength, because strength is literally a weakness for him, is going to prioritize strength more so than running if he's running a five minute mile and he's only clean and jerking 275 pounds, deadlifting 385 or 400, he's going to probably benefit more from being on a strength bias program as opposed to like doing Hinshaw workouts, you know, four times a week
2: Uh, Yeah, so someone that's a really cool kind of About your experience, that you were like really strong and you were a stronger CrossFitter. Um, And I think there's some people. Like that—that that strength level, that's strong enough for CrossFit, is very high, and most people get nowhere close to it. And when you work with people at a lower level, you just see them want to participate in the sport at the highest level, and, and you just come back to them and say you're not strong enough yet, right? And it's not just—it's not just your squat, bench, and deadlift number. It's your weighted pull-ups. It's your—you know—it's your horizontal rowing ability. It's—you know—your single-leg strength for lunging, right? The—the the, what the sport demands of people in terms of weight that needs to be moved for a you know very long period of time at an elite is, level. It's at elite level is very high, and then once you get to that level, there's plenty of people that start breaking those rules. Like the 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 strongest person doesn't win for a lot of reasons, yeah. and then it becomes a a, a very specific game but there's so many people that see this sport and are so inspired that they want to just do what the, the best are doing, and they just don't have the background that the best do. The best We're, 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 we're weightlifting for 15 years. We're doing bodybuilding movements for 15 years. Most of you the know. best
4: athletes have a pretty significant background yeah. in a sport that has a huge carryover to cross. Yeah. You have, you know, ex-gymnasts who are going to excel at weightlifting and gymnastics. You have ex-weightlifters who already are coming into the sport with, you know, a 260 285-pound snatch, you know 355, 365 clean and yeah. jerk, 500-pound squat, and all they have to do is just learn how to run. You know, yeah. You know, when we talk to people who really want to
2: get to the next level, pretty much from every level up to the elite level, the answer is resistance training and extended aerobic work to build the base to handle more volume, right? Because it's kind of a volume game of strength training, so it's a little bit different, but that strength training needs to be there and you need to accumulate the reps over time. There's no real substitute for it. And Also, if you try to fast track it, like some people are talented enough to kind of Finagle their way into fast times into good qualifying positions, but But,
1: those are the extreme. Yeah, but also,
2: yeah, they're they're and they blow up in the sport very fast. But they're also, I think, more vulnerable to to burning out, you know, to not being able to handle as much competition volume, to potentially not being prepared for the work that it actually takes to prepare for elite competition, which means they get you know aches and pains and you know and can't sustain kind of the intensity of of training at the level that's required to to perform.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that having a specialty getting into CrossFit is a humongous advantage, especially if it's either in gymnastics or Olympic weightlifting or even powerlifting, if you have that that kind yeah. of like strength reserve. Right. When I started getting into CrossFit, I had none. I mean, yeah. what I was doing was long distance running, yeah. which cool. I mean, yeah, I had which some helps. yes, but at the same time not having any of the other skills demanded so much time of me to have to dedicate to those to to those things that yeah. it it almost took away from the the aerobic base that I had built in the past. So I was spending so much time trying to get stronger, so much time trying to learn Olympic weightlifting so much time trying to learn gymnastics, and yeah. trying to learn the, how a how, how, wad works that well, I almost lost that uh, aerobic capacity.
0: So like what point you're point. saying, it's like it's, it's so different if you want to be a competitive powerlifter. lifter pretty much everyone can train the same. Whether you're a beginner or an advanced level lifter, you're gonna be in the gym maybe two hours a day, sometimes more, sometimes a little bit less. But like, I, what I feel like 90% of people don't, under, don't understand if you're not competing at CrossFit in the high level is how they train. Like, you, you go sign up at your local CrossFit gym, Taking their classes is not going to get you to no. Wattapalooza no. or the Games. No. When working at a crowd for six years, it's insane. Like I'm, I guarantee a lot of our, li- our listeners don't understand. Most yeah. of those people who compete at a high level, they essentially take that almost as their full-time job. You yeah. can have a full-time job and still be a very high-level power lifter. To be a high-level crossfitter and have a full-time job, it's so hard. Their sessions are literally four to six hours a day. They do a full Olympic lifting session, a full hour and a half, 90-minute Olympic lifting session full volume on snatch, teenager pulls, all that stuff. A full strength session of, of squatting, accessories, et cetera. Rest a little bit, go work on
2: skills, go do a wad, go do another wad. There's you know, so many skills. You know what,
0: I think that uh,
3: like doing the daily wad at the CrossFit gym is a great starting place because I think a lot of times we see it in powerlifting too um people get caught up in what the best people are doing and they forget that that's not what got them to where they are you know what i mean we were you were just talking about it before and we've talked a lot of high level lifters who who maybe three times a week have very simplistic programs but in the beginning of their training, they did all sorts of stuff and they developed all the different kinds of skills.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's why you have the archetype here at the high level, the female former gymnast who just loved training, who wasn't the best gymnast, who just loved to do push-ups you know, after after the session. And you have the male former college football player who also wasn't the best you know, on the field or had the best skills, but just loved the weight room. Right? Here's they, what you
0: also have to remember about like, those classes that you take, yeah. right? Remember, those people are designated an hour, right? Yeah. And a lot of them only go four times a week. In that hour, they have to do a full warm up, you know, because that's one of the CrossFit structured things, taking you through range of motion warm up and getting your heart elevated, which is like 10, 15 minutes. They do a cool down, which is like 10, 15 minutes. You're only actually working out like 30 minutes. It's really hard to progress. I actually saw a regression. In, in in overall strength, body composition, muscle growth, because I was just starting out. I was doing bodybuilding, going to the gym for two hours, two and a half hours a day, hitting all the different muscle groups, and then just taking a group class like that where it's hard to be really well-rounded like that. It's but hard to actually what? focus on strength. It's hard to focus on conditioning. It's
1: so deceiving because you're working so hard for those oh yeah. 15, 20, or 30 yeah. minutes that it's deceiving. Like, you you feel like you did such a, a huge amount of work in, 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 yeah. in, in 20 because or 30 minutes.
2: A fight for, for 20 to 30 minutes <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with the weights, <laughs> but
1: I mean, comparing it with what you were doing before, if you were spending two hours at the gym doing strength and bodybuilding, obviously the amount of work that you accumulated over those two hours is going to be yeah, you're, you're, way yeah. larger than you're just not out of breath. It, so, it doesn't like feel you're that just way. you're just out of breath, exactly. So, it's I can see how that could be deceiving for some people that have a certain expectation from joining a CrossFit gym and starting to do CrossFit and not getting those results, but you gotta do your extra credit.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, those are the people who always excel, like when we work like at our crossfit gyms, right? Those yeah. people who they like come doing the in class. class, exactly, yeah. 100%, the they stay late, class. do accessories, work on their skills, yeah. I was, do all guys, that stuff. Guys, I
1: was staying so late.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alex
1: used to be a manager at the gym I used to train at, and we would get almost into fist fights because he wanted to Turn off kick those me lights out of the
3: lights on gym. you. Turn <laughs> off the
1: lights, I'm still, I have a barbell over my hand, I'm like, oh, <laughs> literally. <laughs>
3: Yeah, to be fair though he would give you so many warnings because you she still did this even when we first started yeah, dating I remember, I remember going yeah. in there and being like Steph if the gym's closing in five minutes she's like starting her last bro, exercise but like, you can't do that and then what would, side he would, are you he would, on you were really he would <laughs> being honest being it's young. okay but, right. but yeah, he would he would literally turn it off while you'd be doing like a big Okay,
1: squat. in my defense, <laughs> Alex, I was trying to get better. Okay, I, I was to trying support. to go home and I chill. I know that's man. what I'm saying. You wanted to, to take a poop or something.
2: Yeah, while everybody sleeps, you you start working. You get working. Yeah. But um, I think it also comes down to being honest about what you want to achieve yeah. with your program because if you want to be here and compete over eight events over four days, you need to train twice a day. Right, you compete twice a day. Yeah, you know. obviously. Um, but if you don't need to do that, you don't need to do that, right? You can go to an hour class and get a little, you know, a little fitter, a little healthier, get a little stronger over time. Um, yeah, and if that doesn't fit into your life, you can train, you know, on your own. Yeah. right. It's it just, raining out here in oh, yeah, Everyone's running everywhere. We're losing our audience. Yeah.
1: Our non-existent. Exactly. Yeah,
2: there wasn't really anyone listening hey, to this year. I like to think that everyone is our audience, not not nobody. Let's move this table a little bit yeah. so we're. Uh, <laughs> you're
3: not getting sick. Oh, there we go. Nice. Now we're talking.
1: So, okay, uh, Ian, you're right. The what? was was this? <laughs> Uh, Ian you write the hybrid WAD program of high performance method. How do you incorporate strength training into a program? Do you, is it by seasons? Do you have like uh, blocks of the training program in which you incorporate more squat bench deadlift and snatch clean and jerk or tell me how, how the, the, the workouts are structured.
4: I do write it. Okay, so The very interesting thing and the difficult thing at the same time about writing a CrossFit program that a large amount of people are following is that it doesn't necessarily afford you the ability to periodize per se. So I write that program it's a little bit different than the typical like we we just talked about the typical CrossFit program where you have the hour long class you have a warm up you know you do three sets of 5 on a squat and then you do a typical CrossFit workout I write this program in a way that if someone wanted to train for a high end competition that if they followed it to the T it would prepare them for a high level competition it's highly strength and conditioning based because top level athletes aren't actually doing a lot of CrossFit every day to get better at CrossFit. What do, you, what,
2: what do you mean by that? Not doing CrossFit to get better at CrossFit?
4: So at a high level, if you look at CrossFit, if you look at the movement, if you break down the total amount of movements you have to do for the sport, mm. you only get to like maybe 20 movements that are tested, maybe 25 mm. movements and that you,
2: are tested. Yeah, you get like 95% of it.
4: Exactly. Yeah. So, whew, it becomes then we've been doing this sport for five, six, seven, eight years. The amount of reps you've done on each movement has accumulated quite a bit. Yeah. So you're starting to become, you know, yes, you're preparing for the unknown and the unknowable. And you're trying to uh, do that with this you know, group of exercises. But it starts to get to the point where, in order to get an edge on your competition who has done the exact same amount of reps on all those exercises as well, you have to start to specify in a sport that preaches non non-specific, non-specificity. So you have to start taking a total bar, for example, and saying, "How can I get better at this?" Well, I can either weigh lighter or I can get stronger. And so, you, so most people can't necessarily just drop 10 pounds. So how do you get better at toes to bar? Well, you start doing them strict. But once strict becomes easy, how do you get better at it? Well, you add ankle weights and then you do them strict. And so then you come back to a competition and you say, OK, I just have to do 50 normal ones. I can do them 50 in a row because they don't tire me out and they're very easy. So you almost overload these movements and training individually in sets and reps. And then when you want to condition, you use the most effective means conditioning, say rowing, sled pushing, assault biking, running, the things that are going to jack your heart rate up that are also individually tested in CrossFit. And you develop your aerobic capacity that way, because by this time you've done every movement so much, so much, so many times that you know how to do a dumbbell snatch mm-hmm. you can walk over it and you know how to do it you know how it's going to feel so the goal then once you kind of get over that hump of learning these movements and being aware of what they are and how they feel then it becomes a matter of improving your human machine in a way that you are fully developing your aerobic capacity mm-hmm. through you know interval work or volume on a true form or what, what have you you're fully, fully developing your strength through focus strength training sessions perhaps even a power lift Strength training block. You know, you're fully developing your gymnastic ability mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, take advantage of those movements, not under fatigue, so you can practice perfect technique, so that your perfect Ooh. technique is there when you go to compete in an event.
1: You know How? what's interesting. Go ahead. You know what's interesting to me is that. There are several programs specifically designed for CrossFitters for the purpose of improving your aerobic conditioning. So you, you mentioned Hinshaw? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um,
2: a lot of businesses have like an engine program. or An engine or, program. Yeah. Then
1: you have uh, so some people started doing Invictus, weightlifting, right?
2: Yeah, there's a strength bias program typically. Like or this is, or these or are-, are th- yeah. But
1: no, it's specific for weightlifting.
2: Oh, so the specific weight Yeah, it's Catalyst for, is a big one. Yeah. Why,
1: why is it, look, the only- two crossfitters that have stopped by my gym to learn how to get stronger because we are a strength specific gym and that this is what we do we are we we are strength Mm -hmm. the only two people that have stopped by are matt Fraser and noah yeah And, and i don't understand that like why is it that if you're saying that the strongest athlete always wins how is it that not more of these higher level athletes are seeking for professional help developing their strength
0: trying to be efficient your
3: strength. Well, but you know what's It yeah. you actually raised yeah. a really interesting point. Th- and there was a, th- uh, a hockey, or sorry, a weightlifting coach told me this years ago when I told him I was going to go to uh, like dryland training. We had mm. dryland training for hockey where you'd go to these camps over summer or March break or whatever. And you'd go on the ice and then you'd go, they, the coaches would take you and you'd work out. Mm. And when I told him I was going to go do this, he was like, well, why are you going them, going to them to teach you how to, to lift? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, I'm a strength coach. Do I teach? try to teach you how to play hockey? Yeah. And he, I was like, oh, well, no. He's yeah. like, um, what are you doing? So it's like, I, I think you're very right, and I think a lot of high-level CrossFitters they they go to all these other coaches for for a, a lot of different disciplines, and they also think of weightlifting as the main strength sport. So they're going.
2: To it is the most thing. Coaches. It is most often tested, but that's why. But it's not. But that, that doesn't but to matter. But
3: me, to me, weightlifting is is not really a strength sport. It's a yeah. skill sport. Yeah. Powerlifting is a strength sport.
2: Yes. It, yeah, you know but that's also I mean? and they're not seeking a powerlifting coaches to the same level that they are weightlifting. No, coaches. and and might they might not ever really have to seek it. The same level as weightlifting coaches, just because, yeah, strength, you know, the powerlifting is important, but almost every competition test not, tests the snap, tests snap. It's not about what they're
1: yeah. testing on their meat,
2: but it, yeah, football but, doesn't test the snap. But squad. it, yeah. But yeah. it but they is they're because they're squad. not, they're not, you know, for example, Matt was concerned that they would test sumo deadlift. Yeah. like that's what he came right so he wants that edge because he's that diligent about what could possibly come up
4: and yeah. he's already yeah. good yeah and he's already good at the other else. movements yeah so um, in the mind of a CrossFit athlete yeah. that is that good that is on that level they're the way they're thinking about this is um if they start testing deadlift more they would they would they would start thinking about how to get a bigger deadlift in, in terms of strength events at the I games backwards, right? Though. it is backwards, it is backwards. I but that's how they think all. but that's how they think yeah But in terms of strength events of the games, if they can snatch 300 and they can clean and jerk 365 and that lands them a fifth place finish in that event the amount of other events that they don't need that in. It's not, it doesn't benefit them to put that much extra effort to clean and jerk 380 yeah. or, or yeah. to snatch 315 for those three But of places. course, when,
1: when the difference is when you're already at a high level and you're already snatched, clean and jerking, squatting and deadlifting yeah. uh, competitive weights, that then that's fine. But how, how about for people that want to get there? Maybe yeah. like people who didn't make the cut for the games or maybe people who that, that's know. a good
2: point. There's a difference between the very top of the sport, like the tip of the spear and everybody else. Absolutely. So everybody for, else is not strong enough, right? For, that's what for I'm yeah, 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 yeah. For general So where pop? are
1: those people?
2: Uh, they're they're they I mean, following the majority? The, they're following the market. They're following they're, they're what following
4: Yeah, well, yeah. Really? <laughs> For Pop, I think it is an absolute mistake that most people do not seek out powerlifting style training. Yeah, the one, I think that's just a lack of knowledge and a lack of exposure. Yeah, one of the
2: early kind of criticisms of the CrossFit.com program was that you saw back squat five by five once every six and a half weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. Right, you deadlifted three times a year.
0: You also have to remember, though, for a lot of people, it's kind of boring. Like, the gym that I worked at... We essentially, when I first started working there like seven years ago, we were much more strength conditioning biased, right? We would do, uh, we followed 5 three, 1, where every Monday we squatted, every Wednesday we strict pressed, every uh, Friday we deadlifted. Tuesday and Thursdays were very heavily condition based, and on those Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the wads kind of complemented the strength work for the day. Mm.
3: Like they were heavy wads? Or oh, just like <laughs> accessorize
0: so on a squat day, you know, maybe you're doing things with lunges, assault bikes, stuff like gotcha. that trying to kind of complement almost the muscle groups, almost turning your accessories into a circuit, kind of what we tell people to do in, in our programs, don't follow wad. And our members got bored. Yeah. They just didn't like it because they liked looking at like things like this and the games, and they're like. I want to do a thousand wall balls next day, one day, and then come in and max out my squat the next day. It breaks the rules of actual training. Yeah, right? It tracks and a certain a type of person. Does. And it's like, that's, it's, it's kind of dumb to an extent, right? But that, this, this sport, it's crazy. But for <laughs> like a lot of the regular people, it's like, man, you get better doing something more like that, but they just want to do the crazy things, you know? Sure. So it gets yeah.
2: boring for them. I think and it, that you did,
0: they they want to practice their handstand push-up when they can't strict press an empty barbell, you know yeah, what I mean? Right.
2: Yeah, and they'll do the scaled version or whatever, and they'll just pretend that they can do it, rather sure. than investing the time in the reps to actually improve right, their strength. fill build the strength. But um, I mean, that's one thing that we try to do with our programs, is to try to make those, those strength training programs m- more engaging and accessible to people. Than what they typically were exposed to in the past, like whether a spreadsheet that was like five, three, one, and you had your weights plotted out for twelve weeks, and you just followed the sheet of paper, Mm -hmm. Um, because people went totally the other way and wanted to be surprised when they walked in the gym, or have that kind of this novelty effect every day, something different, and that attracted a certain type of person. That type of person also didn't want to, you know, necessarily see the same thing, you know, every week. And also, in the early days of CrossFit, they didn't—they thought that wasn't important. They thought the best CrossFitters didn't periodize, whatever that meant. And yeah. there was this whole campaign against periodization, oh which God. was ridiculous. Like that wait, was, oh, this was the wait, early wait, days wait. of CrossFit.
3: That was a real thing.
2: Yeah, no, they're What's like, pe- like the, you know, the best don't periodize. They just do different things every day. Constantly varied. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a whole West thing. Was constantly baby. Constantly yeah, no, and they're like. And they're like, you don't need to do the the same thing every week because if you are, if it's totally constantly varied and you just, you know, make sure the program is balanced, like that's the level one curriculum, you know, you will get balanced fitness, you know, that you could just be your fittest all the time as long as you do intensity, right? And we just nobody that doesn't work and it doesn't work in the way the sport has presented itself and the way it's evolved, and now everyone follows a pretty structured program. But that sort of structured program is hard to do in a class unless you're really, you know, focus on everybody getting kind of consistent exposure to the movement you're trying to get stronger. And culturally there was a shift. And this shift kinda happened because that only works for so long, absolutely. But you, and you need more kind of thought put into your program, and also need to consider the long term progression of your members. Right. But and also the stage that they're at. Yeah, for yeah. People who have never exercised before, yeah.
3: they can come into the gym and exercise at random. And,
2: yeah, and, and they'll a get a literally anything will make a beginner better. But at a certain point, you need some progression. And so this, the, the 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 population of of Crossroads has matured, and also the, the the standards at any level of competition. Like to to compete here in the scale division, you need a good Good program like just to going, do the movements before you move on, yeah.
1: going back to that point, uh, yeah, absolutely. I agree that the general population can come into the gym and do whatever and continue making progress, however there's a whole argument uh, behind readiness, yeah. right? And injury risk management when it comes yeah. to performing movements that you're not necessarily prepared for. So I think that's one of the reasons why CrossFit yes. in, in its beginning stages started taking so much heat, right? Yeah. Because people were doing movements and, and exercises yeah. that just they weren't ready for. Yeah, and I think Let's that's talk about the, the incidence of injury in CrossFit versus powerlifting and, and how having a strength surplus might benefit you in that regard.
2: Yeah. Do you know the numbers there? Um, well, the numbers are pretty good and they're pretty equivalent, but we don't, the methodology of how those numbers are given is, is hotly debated. Oh yeah, weren't you guys um,
3: arguing about this before?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's hard to track injury incidence rate because you need to define injury. And I think the best way to define it is extended period of mistraining, but people train through an injury. Yeah. Right. Um, so do they have to self-select though? Yeah. Uh, well, you have to ask them a series of questions that, that defines an injury. Because it,
3: it's funny that you say that the injury rates are,
2: are similar because
3: you literally go and ask any high-level power lifter how they feel and yeah. they will tell you all the injuries everyone's injured a hundred percent you look at these
2: studies yeah. that say that the injury rates are one in at you know, two and every 1000 participation hours but that could be, like if you're participating a lot that's a pretty high percentage
1: but it goes right. back to what you're saying of how are but you but hundred percent of people yeah it's
2: usually, it's usually, yeah, it's usually extended yeah. periods of missed training or, or, or drastically reduced training. And you have to define what the minimum threshold for missed or drastically reduced is. Um, but you can define it differently as like something that affects your training to a minimal degree, and then that's a, a much larger number. It's like, yeah, I don't go as heavy right now because this is bugging me. Is that an injury?
1: Hey, right? let's, let's talk about um, our approach to dealing with injuries okay. and kind of what are some of the common misconceptions that most people have regarding injuries. For me. It's, I gotta let
2: you go because I asked you a question. <laughs> <All right. laughs> i was just gonna so,
1: answer my own statement.
2: Your own question. So I think when most people are injured to the point where they feel like they have to stop or modify training, what they look for is something to do to make it better. Right, they're used to doing something to make improvement in their sport or or their fitness. Right, they want more. They think more is better. That one is good. What's the exercise to fix need to I need to minimum. I need to modify my training to the minimum degree. I need to keep stay on my program. I need to compete. What else can I do to make myself heal faster? I want to recover slower. Yeah, this is where
1: this is where corrective exercises and quote unquote rehab exercises come in Uh, as the hail mary. You know, the, the thing that's gonna help you heal faster and whatnot. Correct your imbalance fix your technique and whatnot.
2: Yeah. So they're like, I need to do my hundred butterfly pull-ups today. What exercises should I do for my rotator cuff? Because my rotator cuff, I know is damaged from my MRI that I got immediately after I started experiencing pain. So I need to protect it as much as possible so I don't damage it more. Right. That's kind of the, there's there's a bunch of threads to that narrative that we keep hearing and we need to unpack that for people because that creates kind of these unhelpful beliefs that then lead them to more destructive behavior or 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 lead them to make decisions that aren't in their best long term interest that could be easily addressed very early on in the process. So say you're starting to experience some shoulder pain, you know you know, because of all the volume of pushing and pulling movements in CrossFit, and you're pretty far off from a competition. That's an easy, mo- easily modifiable thing. You can say what movements bother, what movements don't. It's clearly kind of a temporary irritation. We can we can temporarily change kind of some of the structures of movement and training. Maybe we can reduce the load of very specific movements like overhead press for a while, but keep training you know through it and see if it subsides. And generally, it does. If it doesn't, then we need to think about more. You know, long term modifications to training. You know, maybe reduce the sport specific volume. Do other movements that you're not used to doing. Like, there's almost no horizontal pulling in CrossFit, mm-hmm. um, and that's usually well tolerated on shoulders. So now we're getting positive experiences with moving through the shoulder. We're still loading the shoulder. We're still training, and then we can slowly introduce you know through good pro- you know progression and kind of some creativity so, movements so, that look more like the sport. So a
1: few a few important takeaways from what Ian just said, in case you didn't catch it because I think it's it's one of the main takeaways yeah. of this portion of the of the of our conversation is that, well, the first thing is obviously changing the way that you perceive pain. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and we say this all the time, pain is not necessarily related to tissue damage. Yeah. And tissue damage is not necessarily related to pain a, all the time. So just changing your, your mindset and your approach whenever you, you feel hurt or whenever something is bugging you mm-hmm. and understanding that. It, you don't necessarily need fixing. Like Ian right. said, it might just be something that came up from a workout that you did, or or, or some some sort yeah. of irritation. But that doesn't necessarily mean that there's something going going on with the particular body part that's hurting yeah.
2: you. Yeah, I think you want to remind yourself that you're 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 doing CrossFit, or you're training hard, you're capable. You're you're way stronger than most people, and there just might be some stuff that's totally coincidental that might come up on an image, yeah. And that has really nothing to do with the the, the type of discomfort is. that that kind of comes up from training super hard and yes. doing all this stuff that's you know that's super challenging on your body, and also the stuff that's unrelated that's super challenging. Like if you're just training is hard, stuff starts to ache, yes. right? And then yes. when training gets easier, it stops aching, yes. right? So not everything is a disaster that needs to be addressed, and not everything is a is a product of some sort of irreversible damage, mm-hmm. right? Then, there, there's yeah, plenty yeah. of elite people who have like no labrums to speak of and have no pain, yeah. and they're competing at the highest levels of the sport. I mean, Colleen came in the gym the other day; she had, you know, a labral tear. She had surgery on her sh- that surgery on her shoulder, and she's back competing at the highest level. Yeah, you know,
1: same goes. We see it all the time in, yeah. in back pain, right? Yeah, yeah. The majority of people between 20 and 30 years old have some sort of asymptomatic uh, herniated or bulging disc herniation.
2: Yeah, and I think think we don't do a good enough job of telling people that the prognosis on that stuff is really good. Yeah. Like when someone has a has ridiculous pain or pain down the leg from the back you know about 60% of that it it 60% of the time it heals on its own or, or goes away on its own. You know if you see a really big disastrous herniated disc on an MRI most of those go away within 18 months. Yeah. Right? They're totally normal again. Yeah. Right? People think the it's a death sentence yeah, yeah, people yeah. think when they
1: were yeah. the an MRI they
2: mu- you must be bedridden for the rest of your life because of that one injury you got because no one bothers to tell them that that stuff heals Mm -hmm. right and that they should continue to move in a way that's tolerable for them and because in training and crossfit is a good example of a sport that has a lot of movement options we can just find another way to keep moving yeah right
1: and that's the other thing so symptom modification finding some other movement that you can do that doesn't increase your pain Uh so that was the second thing that you said yeah right
2: yeah and also a way and also there's even ways to do the movements in the sport a little bit differently because the, the loads are light it's just about kind of getting the Work done, mm-hmm. you know. Maybe rounding your back a little bit more is actually more tolerable than, than the yeah. super extended back, yeah. right? Maybe doing your kipping pull-ups a little bit differently, you know, allows you to get through them and, and might be more efficient for you. Um, there's a huge range of variability that people use in movement strategies. That's one of the interesting things about watching the sport. Mm-hmm. It's watching people how ha- watching how people get work done is is really cool because there are unique ways with, with which they do it, and that's a function of their mastery of the sport. Mm-hmm. You
1: see that particularly in Olympic weightlifting, mm-hmm. even more so than in powerlifting, because I think body proportions play such a such a big role in how an athlete is going to move around a bar. And yeah. they're all going to come up with their different strategies to move. Yeah. And, it, and you never see someone pointing out, or, or rarely do you ever see a, a weightlifting coach pointing out specific differences in movement and and um, claiming that there is a right and wrong way to, to do yeah. it. Whereas in powerlifting, you do, right? Like if, yeah. if someone's hip, is one hair lower than the other one? You're like, oh, you need to fix your hip shift, or you need to bring your whatever. But yeah, uh, differences in movement. Yeah, I think that once you start understanding biomechanics and movement better, you you start appreciating those differences and taking them for yeah. what they are. Hold on, and finally, so so. I'm just trying to wrap that yes. part up. So understanding pain, what it means, what it doesn't mean, and utilizing it to guide your decision making as far as your training goes. Uh, secondly, obviously, removing the removing the aggravating movement. Yeah. If there's something that's bugging you, don't keep doing it and hoping it, that it will magically go away because it won't. But this is temporary, like Ian said. So it's a temporary removal of the aggravating factor or aggravating movement. And then finally, finding movement modifications finding things that you can still do to work around that injury and around what's bugging you, and and not falling into the trap of deconditioning and catastrophizing and victimizing yourself for whatever injury you're going through, so. Yeah,
2: and then also the the idea that it's a temporary modification that means gradually reintroducing the offending activity, not just totally going back into it once you feel better. And that's where some creative progression needs to come in. Yes.
4: I think, I think one of the great parts about CrossFit, when you are injured, there's so many things you that you can work on and improve yeah. that 99% of the time, say you have a shoulder injury, if you just sit there and ask yourself, well, damn, are my legs as strong as they could be? 99% of the time, the answer is no. And so that's a perfect opportunity for you to work on that weakness and improve that because I guarantee you that's not going to hurt your performance in the future. Yeah. Or if you have a hip injury or a knee injury, chances are your gymnastics are not as good as they could be. So that's just another opportunity. So it all it all comes down to like finding the silver lining of your injury and being optimistic and that you can probably improve something else by removing and not focusing on the movement that is causing you pain
1: also to reiterate you there's no magical exercise so mm-hmm. stop looking on google for knee rehab exercises and thinking that there's one magical one that you don't know about that someone else knows about that it's gonna
2: but i need to strengthen my vmos <laughs> and i and roll my it band at yeah, the same time you
1: do not <laughs> You do not. Injuries are not a result of weakness. Injuries are not a result of instabilities. Injuries sometimes happen for no reason. And injuries sometimes don't mean anything. Yeah. So
2: yeah. Yeah, And and you can't always prevent all of them. That's part of sports. Um, Which is why we've
1: changed the way that we talk about them. We used to talk about injury prevention, whereas now we talk about injury risk management, which is slightly is yeah. slightly different,
2: which is part of kind of a comprehensive approach to to developing as an athlete, right? It's not just another add on, kind of secondary feature. It's everything that goes into an in athlete's preparation.
1: So, how important do you think that prehab exercises are? So, should people even be spending time doing their their external rotations with their bands and their and their Spanish squats with a band and their hip abductions for their glute med? How much time should we, bird dogs, dead bugs, side planks? How much time should people realistically be doing that for? And is it really necessary? And is it really uh, Effective is it something yeah. that people should be spending their time doing.
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a time and place for that, but you'd want to decouple it from the narrative that you're doing it to fix movement or prevent an injury. You're doing it because they're well tolerated, because they're challenging, and because you get you get better, you know, at certain movement abilities that are that you know maybe not very directly, but will eventually translate to your sport. Yeah. So it's like maybe getting some additional volume on the shoulder helps strengthen the shoulder in general. It's like maybe that BMO squat just help you know develops leg strength. Yeah. You know, and that's and that's low stress compared to the specific kind of sport training, and it's easily added on as more training volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, you would probably not do that very close to competition because you're trying to minimize. The, the amount of non kind of specific. yeah non specific work or non peaking related work that you're doing because the other work is so stressful and you're not going to realize those those adaptations anytime soon mm-hmm. um, so there's like there's many different kind of Continuums on what you want to think you want to think beginner to advanced you want to think off season to in season You want to think right? What are you capable of now? If you're if you're kind of limited by injury or versus not right if you're more limited Then you're selecting from a different pool of exercises than if you're less limited.
1: Of course. Yeah, I think yeah I think understanding really truly if you're a high-level athlete if you're if you're a personal trainer if you're a coach understanding injuries and how to manage them and your athletes are on yourself is an integral part of what you do because it arguably might be the 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 biggest limiting factor in someone's career is your ability to resist injury your ability to recover from them and your ability to remain injury free
2: yeah, and a big problem I think we see in the market is that trainers recognize that a lot of their clients are going through pain and they then go to a continuing education certification that tells them this is the cause of their pain and now they know something and now they see themselves as the trainer who helps people with their pain by 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 fixing their movement. Hey, and- hey,
1: hey you guys. Hey. Stop playing Sherlock Holmes oh, yeah. of injuries. Yeah. All right? You 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 don't you just simply don't know and that's okay.
2: Yeah. And also, it's important to recognize what you don't—that you don't know the cause—but you can still help people instead of saying things to to clients that are actually potentially harmful to their own perception of their uh, their bodies. Right? We can—it's hard to like so, come then, up with the perfect thing that makes them better all of a sudden, but it's very easy to mess them up for the, for a lifetime. Yeah. And yeah. you would mess yeah. them
3: up by telling them there's damage to a structure yeah, yeah, yeah. that you don't necessarily know
2: is it. Or this is bad for you. You can't do this. You know, it, you no, got so. injured because you were dumb and, you know yeah. like more, all that stuff More
1: importantly this approach creates dependency Yeah
2: yeah you need me for your fix for your injury yes, yes.
1: And and this is something that I always talk Talk to people about when they approach me about injuries is that you know I formally or my formal education is uh, physical therapy I'm a doctor of physical therapy however that's not what I practice necessarily mm. I do take on personal training clients but for, for, a, for a different purpose so I'm not I'm not being a salesperson right I'm not go, I'm, I'm not trying to sell you on my services as a PT whereas yeah. I think something that you need to be very clear of is that anytime that you seek help from a physical therapist or a chiropractor and I'm not throwing shade at anyone The reality of the situation is that they are being salespeople. They are trying to get you to buy into their services, they're trying to get you to buy into their. There are theories, there are practice, and they're trying to get you in through the yeah. door. So they, keep that in mind. You know, when someone, it, it's a red flag if you walk into a PT's office and they tell you that you, there's something wrong, something needs fixing, and you need X amount of yeah of uh, uh, treatments or, th- or they're
2: they're uh, in a fee-for-service model and they're incentivized to sell as many services as possible. Yeah. And they've they've been educated in a system that teaches them how to sell as many services as possible. Rather than a fee for outcomes model, exactly. Uh, So you want to, and there are people who do a good job of thinking about outcomes rather than services. But when we are kind of not dependent upon that uh, income stream, we can make, I think, a more honest appraisal and also figure out what what's the highest value of care for someone. And because it is very possible to over treat and under deliver. In, it happens in, all the yeah, time. Yeah, it's the it's it's you know it's the rule, not the exception.
1: Yeah. Um, What's sad is that a lot of the the softwares for inputting client progress, at least on the PT side, the ones yeah. that I've used from yeah. bigger companies, yeah, they force you to, to have an outcome outcome based system. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, it, you're not gonna get uh, paid by the by the insurance company yeah. if you're not proving that your client is making progress. Yeah. But this is the worst part.
2: You can finagle it. Yes. Yeah, you can and make I it up. And
1: I see, that I saw that so much. You're okay.
2: supposed to make it up, essentially, yeah. People
1: making up the yeah. progress, yeah. right? Yeah. Not truly measuring range of motion, yeah. not truly measuring strength, and also, not truly measuring objective measures yeah. for the particular injury and then just making up, ba- basing it off on a special test. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So first the the crank test was positive, now it's negative progress Yeah. or whatever.
2: Yeah, and even, it's even crazy. Really Even you pick, backwards. you kind of pick and choose and selectively report which one looks better and which one doesn't. It's back. Yeah.
1: So anyway, in conclusion, if 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 you go into a PT or Cairo office and they tell you something's wrong, fix it, and then they tell you you need X amount of, of treatments and then they overly focus on manual therapy or things mm. that you cannot do for yourself, that's that's a red flag. Yeah. Go go to someone that Allows you to be more independent. That yeah. empowers you, and that doesn't uh, that doesn't try to build that essentially that yeah. dependency in the relationship.
2: Yeah. One quick thing. Yeah. Don't confuse low cost for for high value. Low cost can be low value, and also low cost can be you know high risk, right? There's there's the risk to going to the wrong provider, right? Absolutely. Um, so you know find a good one who's willing to work with you and deliver high value care but, uh, that is best practices in today's kind of healthcare landscape, which is tough, but hopefully we'll provide some recommendations.
1: Amen, Amen brother. Um, all right, so we're approaching the one-hour mark. Let's go into our next segment of the podcast. Florida, man. Yes. I have a good one. All right. I hey, can't wait to hear you yours
0: because then I'm going to have a live one. You guys, we're, firsthand. we're
1: in Florida. We're in the real south in
0: here.
3: Actually, the Florida's not the real south.
0: <laughs> what do you mean? We're a south. south, yeah. Yeah. south this is US. North Cancun. Uh, yeah, I no. <laughs> South is like Alabama, Georgia. <laughs> hey, this is the real South for Missouri. me, okay? It's all a matter of perspective. <laughs> right. It's the South as we get, right? No, this, yeah. is cra- this is
3: crazy. Florida's a whole different planet.
2: Right?
1: Look.
3: It's not, It's not yeah. uh,
2: unless you're in Jacksonville or Tallahassee,
3: it's not the South. It's, yeah. an, it's,
1: it's a different type of South.
3: What did you say the other day? The South
2: is the, new, the West. new West? No I like that. No,
1: they, yeah, the yeah, South yeah. is the new West, yeah. Okay, anyway, so in this uh, portion of our podcast, we bring up a recent Florida Man story. For those of you who don't know what a Florida Man story is, is things that happen in Florida on the daily that are the most bizarre of crimes that you could possibly hear about.
0: So, I got one. You got one? I have a good one. Alex, look for one, too. Oh, no. I got one in my head. He, he saw one, he saw one I saw one here at What? Go ahead. I want to hear that one. All right. You want to hear that first? <laughs> so, Thursday was free to enter, right? Because it was a face-off. <laughs> and me and Mike were hanging out of the booth. So, since it's free to enter, that means that, you know, anyone off the street could just walk in. Uh-huh. So, there was a quite obviously homeless man, uh, like, right in front of our booth asking people for change. And some people were actually giving him change, you know? And uh, he's, like, trying to come towards us. And we're like, dude, no. He turns around. He's wearing, like, old tattered blue jeans. And on the back of his blue no. jeans, it's covered in poop. poop. Oh. Covered. It's smeared some chunks on it as well. Oh. It's covered in poop. Maybe so saw like we were Hershey's like, bar. Thankfully, he, like, you know, he walked away. And a little while later, you know, they have a lot of police patrolling here in Wadapalooza. <laughs> uh, a, a lady uh, officer came up to us and was like, can you hold my bag here behind your poop? She's like, I got to go escort someone out and, uh, and she, she went and got him and got rid of him. Wow. He probably the just man. sat on a sneaker. Yeah, bar. he definitely, sne- yeah, sneaker? there was a sneaker, there was a sneakers bar on the, uh, on, the on the sidewalk. <laughs> he just took a, a seat on it, you know, yeah. definitely didn't just pull his pants down and well, that, that's funny. I don't know if we talk about this on here or not. Like our gym is, you know, near the hood yeah. and you know, there's a lot of characters walking around there and how many times have we seen someone literally pull their pants down and just poop <laughs> in front of us, right? All the so, so then, and I asked uh, a <laughs> police officer who's a member <laughs> of our gym. I'm like, dude, what's up with that? And he said Miami-Dade County is one of the only counties that they can't arrest them for that. Because the homeless population is so high, they're allowed to just poop and pee on the side of the road if they're homeless. They don't nice. get arrested for indecent exposure.
1: That is complete anarchy
0: but then if i pull out my wee wee and i go pp you're gonna you get arrested yeah. yeah or i'm on a list it's the know? perks of
2: being homeless right yeah there. wow the perks, the you perks. Homeless? <laughs> yeah
1: you cannot can see a homeless card i don't think you can I
0: don't think they... <laughs> but then you pull out your id and you have an address, so you have a home right <laughs>
1: Uh, okay, I got one for you. Shirtless Florida man had a toddler tucked between his legs on a motorcycle.
0: Holy crap, dude. Clearwater
1: police said uh, the dangerous. man sped away from them and <laughs> ran a red light after they tried to pull him over. Yeah, hey, he can't... was driving a motorcycle with a toddler tucked between yeah. his legs.
3: 27 years Dude, old. Dude, it's illegal Charges to it's illegal to put apps. a kid in just a regular car seat. They have to be in a special hey, kid, child seat. This guy's sticking kids down his pants on his motorcycle. Hey man,
1: what <laughs> are you what are you what are you thinking when you do something like that?
3: Nah. Oh this is probably good. Florida, baby. Florida. I got one more good one. Okay. So Florida man in no seriously I have drugs t-shirt arrested for possession of drugs. So he his shirt says, who needs drugs? And then underneath it says, no, seriously, I have drugs. Like he's, like, to sell drugs. Advertising. <laughs> so I mean, he's, he's using clear advertisement, so you know what I mean? G- I guess yeah. they had clear probable cause. There's, There's
0: no doubt. That, clear, that, concise message. Yeah. So I
3: guess they had probable cause to search him because of his shirt, and then they actually found drugs on him, and he was arrested for
1: it. <laughs> that's so silly.
0: <laughs> <It's> <laughs> when it's keeping it real right. goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I yeah. think that's
3: all the time we have, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much.
1: Okay. we are supposed to keep
3: this one to an hour, so.
1: It's an hour and two minutes.
0: Uh-oh. I'm sorry, Wada Palooza.
1: <laughs> sorry, Waza. But hey. Okay. You know what but I would hey, say. Thank you uh, so much for having us. Thank you to the the audience, the huge audience that we had today. They brought thousands together. of people here. Hundreds of thousands of people listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people are laughing. <laughs> I
2: got
1: one. On that. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. If you liked. Our podcast. Feel free to head over to Hybrid Unlimited on Spotify, Apple, and pretty much Everybody's every other out. every other channel. We are Hybrid Performance Method. We have a gym not too far from here, so if you're close to the area, feel free to stop by. Um, it's an the
0: app. doors might be locked. Yes, <laughs> uh, I
1: mean just tell hit us, us that up
0: you're... on Instagram first. Hit us
1: up on Instagram uh, again. I'm your co-host, Steffi Cohen.
3: Hayden Bo, Ian Kaplan,
4: co co co-host Alex Yusar. <laughs> Coco Coco host, you're the writer.
1: Thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Catch you guys next time. Bye.
0: Cheers.